the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show. Well, good afternoon and welcome to the Monday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. James Blend is producing and engineering today's program. Today we'll have a conversation with Dr. Greg Jans, author of Triumph Over Trauma. Find healing and wholeness from past pain. And he's not just talking about physical uh, trauma. We'll get into the various types of trauma, particularly in light of the pandemic that left many of us in one form or another, well, traumatized. That's coming up in the second hour of today's program. Well, as you may have heard by now, a shooting at a Tennessee private Christian grade school left three students dead. They were all nine years old and three adults dead today. And the shooter was killed by police. The victims were killed in the attack at the Covenant School, authorities said. Nashville police say officers uh, engaged with the um, uh, the shooter, uh, killed her. She was identified as a 28-year-old female carrying uh, several uh, assault-type rifles and a handgun. The female, who was only identified as a Nashville resident, was killed by police just before 10.30 a.m. She was um, believed to have been a student there Now, this is an elementary school. It only goes to age six or grade six. So she would have been there, assuming that fact is correct, a long time ago. At one point, she was a student at the school. The Nashville police chief, John Drake, said there was a vehicle nearby that gave us a clue as to who she was. Well, police say the shooter entered the building through a side door before climbing stairs to the second floor, where she then opened fire. They don't believe she was wearing any body armor. Officials at the medical center say three young students were transported to Monroe Carroll Children's Hospital at Vanderbilt with gunshot wounds. All three were pronounced dead after arriving. Three more adults were also pronounced dead following uh, the attack. All three were staff at the school. Law enforcement were working to contact the families of the victims, none of whom have been publicly identified, although I believe um, just before we began the program today, those names were released. Three more adults were also pronounced dead following the attack. All three were staff, as mentioned. Police have um, yet to establish the connection the shooter may have had with the school at this point. Right now, I will refrain from saying the ages other than to say I was literally moved to tears to see this and the kids as they were being ushered out of the building, Drake said. Officials previously established a reunification center nearby where students inside the school were transported in the aftermath of the shooting. Covenant School is a private Christian institution for students up to sixth grade, according to the website. We are responding to an active aggressor of 33 Burton Hills Boulevard Covenant School. We can confirm we have multiple patients, Nashville Fire Department said on Monday. Parents coming to the school should go to 20 Burton Hills at this time. This is an active scene, the statement said. These are the words no parent ever wants to hear, but fears they might. 
The Metro Nashville PD confirmed the shooter's uh, death in a statement, adding that the school was already working on reunifying parents and children a safe distance away from Burton Hills Boulevard, where the school is located. An active shooter uh, event has taken place at the Covenant School, Covenant Presbyterian Church on Burton Hills Drive. The shooter was engaged with MNPD and is dead. Students' uh, reunification with the parents is at Woodmont Baptist Church on Woodmont Boulevard, the department uh, wrote in a statement. The only reported injury following the attack was an officer who suffered a glass wound to his hand. The Nashville branch of the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco and Firearms, or ATF, had also deployed agents to assist the N- uh, MNPD to respond to the attack. The mayor of Nashville, John Cooper, released a statement regarding the attack uh, earlier in the day. In a tragic morning, Nashville joined the dreaded long list of communities to experience a school shooting, he wrote. My heart goes out to the families of the victims. Our entire city stands with you as uh, facts continue to emerge. I thank our first responders and medical professionals. David Rausch, who's the director of the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation, said his agency was also insisting local authorities. I know there are people who will criticize us for prayers, but that's the way we do it in the South, he went on to say. The uh, Covenant School in Nashville, it's actually in a suburb of Nashville, Tennessee. At least three children and three adults were shot there earlier this morning. It's a private Presbyterian school. They offered classes from preschool to sixth grade. The Metro uh, Nashville Police Department officers um, said killed in the shooting a 28-year-old Nashville woman and former student whose name has not yet been released. It may have been by the time you hear this. At one point, she was a student at the school, but there's uh, there was a vehicle nearby that gave them information or a clue as to who she might be. The school was founded in 2001. It's located in Nashville's Green Hills neighborhood, southwest of downtown, has 33 teaching uh, faculty and an 8-to-1 student uh, teacher ratio students attend a daily chapel event they take enrichment courses including art bible library music physical education stem world cultures and of course uh, called uh, explore tuition ranges from seventy two hundred dollars for the three-day preschool sixteen thousand five hundred for fifth and sixth graders covenant presbyterian church uh, members uh, pay a thousand less for the annual tuition um, about a quarter of the students receive financial aid, averaging from 6300 uh, per student. So they do help those who cannot afford the steep tuition. Last year, Carrie Underwood surprised TCS, the third and fourth graders, for a play, according to the school's Instagram account. When she shows up to watch the third and fourth grade musical about the Grand Old Opry, it's really a good day, especially if you were a little girl who just played her on stage. Well, students returned uh, from a week-long spring break on the 20th of March and are set to have a long Easter weekend beginning April 7th. Teacher conferences were scheduled for Wednesday, according to the school's website and social media pages. More than 90 percent of U.S. school shootings occur at public schools, according to data compiled by the Cato Institute. Nashville PD confirmed the shooter's death in a Monday afternoon statement, adding that the school was working on reunifying parents and children to a safe distance away from the location of the church. I I have to admit, when I turned the television on, began reading the news and watching the news and listening, it just brought me to tears. Another event had occurred. Uh, I thought about my own grand uh, grand niece and nephew who are uh, were sitting earlier today at a Christian school. I thought about James' daughter, uh, who's sitting at a 
um, a Christian school and thinking that, you know, there is really isn't a place that one can just consider safe uh, from what the world has to offer. I just pray for these families, for the survivors, for the uh, family of this um, 28-year-old woman who is responsible for the shooting. We don't know what her story is, but clearly there's some some difficulty there. God help us. Well, the suspect in the Colorado high school shooting last week is dead, a coroner confirmed. Uh, A body found in the woods near the abandoned car was that of a 17-year-old student accused of wounding two administrators on Wednesday at East High School in Denver. Park County Sheriff Tom McGraw said the body was discovered on Wednesday last week, not far from the student's car in a remote mountain area about 50 miles southwest of Denver, Colorado, near the small town of Bailey in uh, Park County. Well, the town had been ordered to shelter in place while officers from a number of agencies, including the FBI, combed the forest. Denver police identified the suspect as 17-year-old Austin Lyle and shared photos of the student and his vehicle as they were searching for him. Lyle was wanted for the charge of attempted homicide. In a statement to Facebook, the Park Community Coroner's Office said it can be confirmed the identification of the uh, uh, decedent found um, Thursday night, Austin Lyle, born in 2005, again a 17-year-old. One of the administrators uh, shot was in surgery while the other wounded was able to talk and give statements regarding what happened there. Our country, our culture desperately needs Jesus. An awakening, a revival, whatever you want to label it, we need Jesus. And other news, at least 23 were killed after a tornado ripped through Mississippi late Friday, uh, destroying a house, uh, houses rather, and cutting off power for over 100,000 residents. We have numerous local and state search and rescue teams that continue to work this morning. The number of assets are on the ground to assist those that have been impacted. The Mississippi Emergency Management Agency, or MEMA, uh, noted in an official statement Uh, At least 126,000 residents of Mississippi, Tennessee, and Alabama had been without power since Saturday morning. Over a dozen fatalities were registered in Rolling Fork, situated in Sharkey County, about 60 miles northwest of Jackson. I've never seen anything like this, one local resident uh, told CNN. This was a very great small town, and now it's gone. Rolling Forks and Silver City were two of the... uh, Hardest hit towns in the tornado's path. One eyewitness, a member of the North Mississippi Storm Chasers and Spotters, described the destruction in Silver City, home to 300 people, as completely devastating, adding the images will haunt me forever. And although the death toll currently stood at 23, uh, MEMA announced on Saturday morning these numbers are expected to change. Minutes afterwards, the governor expressed his condolences to the families that had lost loved ones. Well, the Manhattan grand jury, well, they're considering charges against former President Donald Trump. uh, They reconvened today, according to a report. The expected session comes after its last planned session on Wednesday was canceled, sources uh, confirmed. Well, former President Trump said he expected to face arrest last week after a years-long investigation involving the former president's alleged hush money payments to Stormy Daniels during his 2020 election campaign. It was reported last week that Bragg's office would likely issue an indictment for alleged hush money payments. Jurors are scheduled to meet this afternoon in the lower Manhattan municipal building. The New York Post reported it's unclear if the jurors will hear from witnesses or begin deliberating, according to 
the outlet. The former president held a rally on Saturday in Waco, Texas, where he suggested Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg already dropped the case. That's not altogether clear. I think they've already dropped the case, the former president told reporters aboard his plane after appearing at a campaign rally in Waco, Texas. It's a fake case. Some fake cases, they have absolutely nothing, end quote. Meanwhile, Republicans on the House Judiciary Committee have demanded Bragg testify before Congress about the probe, which Bragg's office slammed in a statement over the weekend. We evaluate cases in our jurisdiction based on the facts, the law and the evidence. It is not appropriate for Congress to interfere with pending local investigations. We'll continue to follow that story if and when I should say if or when it develops. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast is aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Well, as more confirmations come forth regarding the Biden family's business dealings in China, Americans are calling on the president to address the significant and important financial connection. When you see this kind of connection between a sitting president, his son and the Chinese government, when people just don't trust this and know that uh, it's one of the biggest threats facing us right now. That's a really big issue that needs to be addressed. So writes um, um, Meslansky and Partners President Lee Carter on uh, uh, on a recent morning talk show. Her comments come on the heels of Senator Ron Johnson, a Republican out of Wisconsin, revealing Sunday to the host of the program he was being interviewed on that Chinese American owned Cathay uh, Bank disclosed Biden's family bank records. Um, that match the U.S. registrar's records. A bank from China, let's face it, uh, it's Communist Party controls uh, those types of institutions. They're willingly, uh, they willingly gave us the documents that backed up the Treasury records. And while Cathay Bank was founded in the U.S. in 1962, is currently headquartered in Chinatown, Los Angeles. Uh, they also house representative offices in Beijing, Shanghai, Taipei, according to its website, and also claims to be America's oldest operating bank founded by Chinese Americans. Well, despite the president's um, denying in recent weeks that his son Hunter Biden, brother Jim, and uh, Hallie Biden, the widow of his son Bo, received split payments of a million dollars from Hunter's business associate, Rob Walker Johnson uh, claimed that the new Cathay Bank records solidify the House Oversight Committee's investigation into the family's um, internal or or rather international business ventures. Is that the uh, Chinese Communist Party? Is that uh, a shot across President Biden's um, bow saying, listen, this is some information we have. If you don't toe the line, if you don't do things that displease us, or rather, if you do things that displease us, we're going to um, provide more information. Johnson questioned. So we obviously have a multiplier a system of justice. Well, uh, Carter further argued on Monday that the uh, that Americans concerned about the president's potential Chinese collusion are valid. This isn't just a Chinese bank. This is an American bank that was founded by Chinese Americans, Carter said. After everything that we've been through with China at this moment, only 15 percent of Americans trust the country. The American people are rightly concerned. They deserve to have answers. And I think at a minimum, the president needs to make a statement and address people's concerns because they're valid. Well, thus far, there hasn't been a direct link to the president himself or the vice president at the time or a senator uh, years before. But that investigation in the House is continuing. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis signed a bill into law on Monday that will expand school choice vouchers to all students in the state. Speaking at a Catholic all-boys school in Miami, the governor hailed the move as a major and historic victory for school choice. 
Today's bill signing cements us uh, in the number of uh, of uh, persons who will be able to attend the school of their choice. Uh, we'll be signing legislation which will re- represent the largest expansion of education choice, not only in the history of this state, but in the history of these United States. That is a big deal, DeSantis said to cheers. Well, House Bill 1 expanded eligibility so that a parent of a student may request and receive from the state a scholarship if the student is a resident of this state and is el- eligible rather to enroll in kindergarten through grade 12 in a public school in the state. The scholarships previously had income caps, but priority will still be given to students who are low income. Students whose household incomes are less than 185% of the federal poverty level or roughly $51,000 for a family of four uh, will be taken care of first. The funds can be used by parents for an array of education-related expenses in addition to tuition. If you just look at the private school um, scholarships that students in Florida have been able to utilize, and these are mostly low-income families, also middle-income families, we represent one-third of the entire number of scholarship recipients in the entire country, DeSantis said regarding the success of the old scheme. Prior to the new law, students with disabilities were similarly prioritized. However, the new legislation will eliminate the waiting list for students with unique abilities to ensure their unique needs are met. The number of students who will utilize the scholarship is expected to shoot up rather dramatically. Also, several revisions will be made to Florida's education code. The bill reduces hurdles to a five-year temporary teacher certificate for anyone with a bachelor's degree and for those with three years of effective or highly effective service. The bill also offers district uh, districts rather flexibility in um, a faculty costs for new construction, or rather facility costs for new construction, and offers students transportation flexibility to improve efficiency while maintaining student safety. Well, the Justice Department and Big Tech seem to have a revolving door relationship. One watchdog group contends after doing an analysis covering over 20 years, corporate brands such as Google, Facebook, and Amazon have hired former Justice Department senior officials while also serving as a farm team for the government agency. Big tech firms hired about 360 former Justice Department employees, while the Justice Department hired 41 former big tech employees, according to the American Accountability Foundation. Most of the jobs are since 2011, but the earliest example goes back to 2000. The organization's analysis comes after the Justice Department filed an antitrust lawsuit in January against Google amidst pressure from both Democrats and Republicans to add, to address rather concerns about big tech censorship of free speech, clout in politics and um, monopolistic power. Well, in December, Twitter fired its deputy general counsel, James Baker, who is a former general counsel to the FBI. After President Joe Biden was elected in November 2020, Google's parent company, Alphabet, hired 40 employees who previously worked for the Justice Department. The analysis by the American Accountability Foundation shows that 61 of 103 Amazon employees who previously worked for the Justice Department were hired after Biden's election. And although it's not uncommon for government officials to rotate between jobs in private industry and federal agencies, the shared goals of the bureaucracy and big tech are more alarming, said Tom Jones, president of the American Accountability Foundation. The relationship between big tech and government is a different relationship than between most agencies and industries, he uh, said in a phone interview. Big tech has become an adjunct to government. 
They are pursuing the same goals. People are moving back and forth because they're pushing the same agenda that's out of step with most Americans. Well, Jones said this revolving door calls into question whether the Biden administration would end some abuses that involve big tech's targeting of conservatives. The American Accountability Foundation's analysis also says that Microsoft hired 26 legal and technological employees who had uh, Justice Department experience. Also, Meta, the corporation um, behind Facebook, hired 53 employees who had worked for the Justice Department. The watchdog group said that it did the analysis based on public information, including from news reports and LinkedIn. Out of the hundreds of names listed, Jones Organization singled out some high-ranking individuals. One example, Glenn Leon is the uh, chief of the Justice Department's criminal fraud section and has been back and forth between government and industry. Leon was deputy chief of the agency's criminal fraud section before Hewlett Packard hired him as senior vice president and chief ethics and compliance officer. But Leon left HP to return to the Justice Department for the top job in the criminal fraud section. Keith Edelman started his Justice Department career as an assistant U.S. attorney in the East District of New York. From there, he became the associate general counsel at Meta, Facebook's uh, parent company. After that uh, run, he returned to the Justice Department as special counsel for the assistant attorney general in the criminal section. And it goes on from there. We're going to take a quick break, uh, but we're going to continue to work our way through some of the news headlines and coming up. Um, Greg Jantz, Dr. Jantz, is the author most recently of Triumph Over Trauma, Find Healing and Wholeness from Past Pain. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Coming up, we'll um, be talking in the second hour with Dr. Greg Jantz. He's the author most recently of Triumph Over Trauma. And we'll also take a look at a new survey that indicates this is a Wall Street Journal survey that America is pulling back from the defining values of the country. Well, a new fungus has been identified and it should concern you, we're being told. Cases of a potentially deadful, a deadly fungus rather have riven, risen to the, an alarming rate, sparking a warning from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention that it is an urgent threat in a recent release about a new study published in the Annals of the Internal Medicine. Cases have uh, soared nearly 200 percent from 476 cases in 2019 to 1,400 in 2021. And those cases were detected all over the United States. Well, the White House blasted Russia for rewarding pilots responsible for downing a U.S. drone and legalized assisted suicide pushed in the U.S. as alarming doctors and disability advocates. Foreign correspondent Benjamin Hall's new book, Saved, A War Reporter's Mission to Make It Home, is officially a New York Times bestseller. Hall's memoir detailing his harrowing survival following a deadly missile attack while covering the Russia-Ukraine war debuted at number one on the coveted New York Times bestseller list, topping Prince Harry's spare, likely um, President, uh, presidential hopeful Ron DeSantis' The Courage to Be Free, Michelle Obama's The Light We Carry, and Senator Bernie Sanders' It's Okay to Be Angry About Capitalism. Saved had previously topped Amazon's bestseller, based on um, pre-sales alone ahead of its March 14th release. Well, documents show the former President Trump didn't reimburse Michael Cohen for the so-called hush money payment. Um, Disaster strikes A.J. Bragg's case. According to the Daily Mail, Michael Cohen claimed he was not reimbursed by Donald Trump or his organization for the so-called hush money payments to 
Stormy Daniels in 2018 in a letter to federal authorities contradicting his recent grand jury testimony. The bombshell document could throw a wrench in the works of prosecutors pursuing criminal charges against the former president over the payments. Cohen, Trump's former lawyer and a star witness in the case over which Trump reportedly faces imminent arrest, claims that Trump got him to pay $130,000 to Daniels to keep her quiet about their affair and with real estate mogul just days before the 2016 presidential election. In other news, the DEA is warning of a new variation of fentanyl laced with a flesh-eating sedative. Could it get any worse? Well, the Drug Enforcement Administration has issued a new warning about the widespread threat of fentanyl mixed with a flesh-eating drug that's been seized in a majority of U.S. states. Authorities uh, caution that there has been a sharp increase in the trafficking of fentanyl mixed with uh, xylazine, which is only approved for veterinary use, also known as Trank. Xylazine is making the deadliest drug uh, threat our country has ever faced. Fentanyl even deadlier. That's a quote from the administrator Ann Milgram in a statement. As the fentanyl crisis continues to wreck communities across the country, Philadelphia is now grappling with a powerful animal sedative uh, known as Trank that has quickly found its way into the vast majority of the city's drug supply. President Biden and the Department of Justice work together to brand parents as terrorists. Katie Pavlich reports that a new report published by the Select Subcommittee on the Weaponization of the Federal Government and House Judiciary Committee shows extensive collusion between the administration and the National School Board Association. The partnership came as the group drafted a letter calling on the Department of Justice to classify parents as domestic terrorists. The letter also asked the Attorney General Merrick Garland to use the Patriot Act, implemented after 9-11, to go after parents expressing criticism over school lockdowns, critical race theory, and inappropriate sexual content in the classroom. Ed Morrissey also weighs in, saying the Biden administration has largely refused to cooperate in this exercise of congressional oversight and has not produced requested documentation. Unsurprisingly, a trans cyclist won a female cycling event in New York City. The uh, uh, transgender cyclist won a woman's cycling event in New York over the weekend, becoming the latest um, male transgender female Uh, to face pushback over athletic achievements in a social media post from New York City Cycling News. Tiffany Thomas can be seen standing atop the winner's podium last weekend at the Randall's Island Crit uh, Cycling Series held in New York City. Thomas, a member of the L.A.-based women's cycling group L.A. Sweat, stood alongside two other women who came in second and third place. Thomas' victory in New York City was not an anomaly. The cyclist has placed in various competitions in recent years, costing women titles. While Thomas's teammates are all between the ages of 24 and 32, Thomas is 46 and only started cycling at 40. Female athletes in sports ranging from skateboarding to powerlifting to swimming are increasingly dealing with male intrusion. Feminism, is it dead? Well, GM is planning to discontinue the um, a Camaro line next year. The Chevrolet Camaro for decades, the dream car of many teenage American males is going out of production. General Motors, which sells the brawny muscle car, said Wednesday it will uh, stop making the current generation early next year. The future of the uh, car is a bit murky. GM uh, says another generation may be in the works. Several GOP run states are pulling out of the Electronic Registration Information Center or ERIC 
The purportedly nonpartisan Electronic Registration Information Center is anything but, according to a growing number of Republican-run states that are dumping the organization that cleans up voter rolls. Half a dozen GOP states charged Eric with a deep partisan bias favoring Democrats as they claim the organization has refused to respond to their desired reforms. While Eric does seek to clean up voter rolls, it also... Uh, pushes hard for more voter registration, including requiring states to give notice to citizens who aren't registered. Republicans contend that Eric is ignoring their growing concerns over greater transparency and accountability. The problem is there's currently no other national organization that exists to help states cross-check with other states in keeping their voter rolls up to date. So far, six Republican-led states have canceled their membership. USA Today has erased women again, clearly intent on Um, Pushing fiction as fact, USA Today has included in its annual Women of the Year list an honoree, um, uh, list of honorees, rather, Minnesota Democrat State Representative Leah Fink. Fink is a man who identifies as a woman and is the first openly transgender individual to be elected to Minnesota's state legislature. The misinformation Pulitzer, speaking of bad journalism, for five years in a row, the Pulitzer Prize has gone to journalists who have peddled misinformation. From the New York Times and the Washington Post, patting themselves on the back over coverage of the Russia-Trump collusion hoax to Nicole Hannah-Jones' 1619 project, the um, motive behind the Pulitzer has never been more transparent. It's become little more than another propaganda tool designed to put a veneer of legitimacy on blatantly misleading reporting. In a sense, the Pulitzer has become the prize for recognizing those who have been the most successful in peddling lies to the American public. A bombshell 2018 letter undermines Michael Cohen's claims in the Trump case. Derisive, divisive and demoralizing misogyny. West Texas A&M University's president canceled a student drag show issuing a fiery rebuke of drag. America's most famous trans kid, Jazz Jennings, tearfully admits, I just want to feel like myself. Her parents began her transition when their son was just two. Military officials Uh, Say woke diversity training helps soldiers feel included and a kidney transplant controller wants to distribute human organs based on equity. Child mortality is rising at the fastest rate in 50 years. That's mortality. And America is being hit by a huge surge in blackouts and it's only going to get worse. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We'll take a break here in a moment. A reminder coming up in our second hour, a conversation with Dr. Greg Jantz, Triumph Over Trauma, Finding Healing and Wholeness from Past Pain. We'll also look at a survey published by the Wall Street Journal that indicates America is pulling back from its defining values. It's probably not much of a surprise, but it does confirm what many suspected and has have suspected for quite some time. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. Well, the West is responding to Russian President uh, Vladimir Putin placing tactical nuclear bombs in Belarus. NATO criticized Moscow on Sunday for its dangerous and irresponsible nuclear rhetoric after Russian President Vladimir Putin announced he would deploy tactical nuclear weapons to Belarus. NATO is vigilant and we are closely monitoring the situation. We have not seen any changes in Russia's nuclear posture that would lead us to adjust our own. A spokesperson from the defense's the defense alliance said, well, the spokesperson criticized comments from Putin on Saturday that likened the deployment of Russian nuclear weapons in Belarus to the U.S. stationing its nuclear arms in Europe as part of the NATO defense alliance. 
Russia has said the plan to station tactical nuclear weapons in Belarus comes in response to the West's increasing military support for Ukraine. Putin announced the plan in a television interview that aired on Saturday, saying it was triggered by a U.K. decision this past week to provide Ukraine with armored piercing rounds containing depleted uranium. Athlete Riley Gaines blasted ESPN for highlighting a trans swimmer during Women's History Month. 12-time All-American female swimmer Riley Gaines slammed ESPN for airing a segment promoting a biological male over the weekend in the network's coverage of celebrating Women's History Month. In 2022, swimmer Leah Thomas became the first transgender athlete to win a NC2A Division I championship by winning the 500 freestyle, the segment said. The Texas native competed for three seasons on the men's swim team at the University of Pennsylvania before then competing against the women. Leah Thompson is not a brave, courageous woman who earned a national title. He is an arrogant cheat who stole a national title from a hardworking, deserving woman, Riley says. The NCAA is responsible. If I was a woman working at ESPN, I would walk out your spineless ESPN. Tell us what you really think, Riley. President Biden's FAA nomination, a nominee rather, withdraws from the consideration amid scrutiny for his lack of experience and knowledge. U.S. President Joe Biden's nominee to head the FAA's withdrew his nomination after Republican criticism that he wasn't qualified to serve as the top aviation regulator. Last year, Biden nominated Denver International Airport CEO Phil Washington to serve as FAA administrator. North Carolina Republican Senator Ted Budd said the FAA can't afford to be led by someone who needs on-the-job training. Senator Ted Cruz argued Washington's record is woefully lacking, adding, in fact, you have zero aviation safety experience, end quote. Birth control pills have been found to significantly increase the risk of cancer. Hormonal contraceptives come with an increased risk of breast cancer, according to a new study conducted by researchers from the University of Oxford. The study showed an increased risk of around 20 to 30 percent in breast cancer linked to current or even or even recent use of hormonal birth control pills, including combined um, estrogen and progesterone birth control pills and progesterone only contraceptives. The study's abstract said the findings show that current or recent use of progesterone only contraceptives is associated with a slight increase in breast cancer risk, which is similar in magnitude to that associated with combined hormonal contraceptives. Notably, progest- notably rather, progesterone only contraceptives use has substantially increased in recent years. Representative uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez entered the debate about the nationwide ban on Chinese-owned social media app TikTok. The Democratic Socialist and member of the left-wing squad took to TikTok on Saturday morning to push back against bipartisan support for a nationwide ban on the app. AOC minimized concerns about security and data privacy, saying that TikTok was just one app that harvests massive troves of data. Instead of banning a single app, she called for a broader data privacy law. Democrats eye 2024 nervously as they are secretive about potential replacements for the executive branch. As the president and vice president prepare for 2024, a White House run, some Democrats are eyeing the field of alternatives. And while some Democratic donors privately say alternatives to a Biden-Harris ticket in 24 exists and they have options, they're reluctant to out their purported targets. The dynamic uh, hints at the scramble about some uh, 
Some party malcontents to shore up potential alternatives in the event Biden chooses to step aside. There remains speculation over who could step into the breach if needs arise. Asked how these Democratic donors feel about Harris, this person responded, they just stare at me. Some Democrats nevertheless worry about 2024. The race would likely pit an octogenarian president and his low-polling vice president against a Republican field, likely to include a GOP governor who notched record electoral margins in a battleground state last year, including in Democratic Miami-Dade County. Honduras sides with China after loosening ties with Taiwan. China established diplomatic ties with Honduras on Sunday after the Central American country ended its decades-long relationship with Taiwan, while Taiwan's foreign minister accused Honduras of demanding exorbitant sums before being lured away by Beijing. The ending of uh, ties with Taiwan has been expected after the Honduran foreign minister traveled to China last week to open relations with President uh, Castro, uh, I should say relations with China, President Castro said her government would uh, start ties with Beijing. The diplomatic victory for China comes as tensions rise between Beijing and the United States, including over China's increasing assertiveness towards self-ruled Taiwan and signals growing China's influence in Latin America. The Taliban has released images of equipment President Biden left behind in Afghanistan. Nobody was fired or resigned because of the, the debacle. Um, images of the equipment, part of the reported $7 billion in abandoned U.S. taxpayer property, were released by the Taliban and are drawing attention on social media. Remember how Team Biden got journal, um, journalists to run interference for them and downplay what a catastrophe it was? Well, the Taliban won't be able to use them. Where are they going to, uh, to get spare parts? They already have some uh, of those anyway. Anyway, uh, anything to get out of the news cycle. And that was a sort of a clumsy quote. Voters in Berlin have rejected a bid to become climate neutral by 2030, a referendum in Berlin on Sunday that would have bound the city to strive for a climate neutral status by 2030 has failed. The city's mayor uh, said in a statement, the measure would have forced the new conservative local government to invest heavily in renewable energy, building efficiency in public transport. Had it passed, Berlin would have been one of the few major European cities with a legally binding goal to become carbon neutral in seven years. Germany, which emits the most carbon dioxide among European countries, has lagged in its emissions goals and was most recently thrown off track by an energy crisis following Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Well, Blockbuster is resurfacing in cryptic tweets and an active website. Children in the 80s and 90s rejoiced this week when they realized a blast from the past may be creeping back into the zeitgeist. Blockbuster, the antiquated but still beloved movie rental retailer, uh, has a live website, even though the company ceased most of its operations in 2014. Some fans believe that it's evidence the company is making a comeback. In a tweet this month, the company joked about reopening. New business idea. We're going to come back as a bank and use VHS and DVDs as currency. Time to go visit your mom. Well, the tweet was a joke, but three days later, Twitter users realized the Blockbuster website was active again. The message on the homepage, we are working on rewinding your movies. Well, the House sustained President Biden's ESG veto last week. Uh, The president vetoed Republican-led bipartisan legislation that sought to counter the president's previous executive order, directing the Labor Department to include environmental, social and governance, or ESG, in investment and shareholder decisions. 
Well, after passing both chambers of Congress, uh, Biden infamously, for the first time since taking office, vetoed the legislation. The House on Thursday failed to override that veto, jeopardizing the retirement investments of millions of Americans, as corrupt political considerations will increasingly be used as a measure for determining where investments are placed. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We've got news and traffic coming at the top of the hour, but we'll be back. And in that second hour, Dr. Gregory Jans. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to the second hour of The Georgine Rice Show. Coming up in our next couple of segments, a conversation with Dr. Gregory Jans. He's the author of Triumph Over Trauma, Finding Healing and Wholeness from past pain. And we're not just talking about physical trauma. He'll be joining us on our next couple of segments. Well, the Parents' Bill of Rights passed the House, but will the uh, will be DOA in the Senate. On Friday, the House passed the Parents' Bill of Rights legislation that aims to protect the rights of parents to have a strong say in their children's education. The bill passed the House 213 to 208 along strict party lines with not one single Democrat voting in favor. Now it's headed to the Democrat-controlled Senate, where it's easily dead on arrival. Democrats have made clear that they are siding with teachers' unions against parents. They've effectively sent the message that teachers care for and love students more than their own parents do, because parents, for the most part, are opposed to the injection of socially, culturally, and individually destructive woke ideology within the schools. And while this legislation may be dead in the Senate, it is far from a dead issue politically. With Republicans, the most voters Seeing parental rights as a primary policy issue, it will most surely rear its head in the upcoming election. A Department of Defense racist has been reassigned. The woke activist who's been diversity, equity and inclusion chief for the Department of Defense Education Activity has been reassigned following a series of revelations, including social media posts wherein she expressed blatantly racist uh, prejudice primarily anti-white prejudice. An example of her racism that quickly became fodder for lawmakers was a post in which she labeled white co-workers as Karens and lambasted them for having a caudacity, C-A-U-dacity, to uh, say that black people can be racist too. Black person speaking, yes, black people can be racist. However, rather than firing her uh, or even disciplining her for being living proof that black people can indeed be racist, The Pentagon effectively brushed the problem aside. Wing has been reassigned to another position that does not include diversity, equity and inclusion. Evidently, anti-white racism is perfectly acceptable within the Department of Defense. A transgender sports ban has been established and a big win for female athletes. World Athletics, which governs international sports competitions, recently announced that it's uh, barring transgender athletes in women's sports if the biological male in question transitioned after puberty. With the problem of males identifying as women entering and dominating women's sports only growing, the global athletics body apparently could no longer hold to the fiction of males competing as females being fair. The World Athletics president, Lord Sebastian Coe, stated decisions are always difficult when they involve conflicting needs and rights between different groups. But we continue to take the view that we must maintain fairness for female athletes above all other considerations, end quote. Except the biological reality on this was never in question. It was pandering to a false narrative that made such an easy and sensible decision difficult. Trump versus Bragg. Well, following Donald Trump's recent warning of his imminent arrest last week, the direction of Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg, an arrest that subsequently did not transpire. Trump has gone on the proverbial warpath against Bragg. 
In several uh, follow-up posts, the former president warned of potential death and destruction should he face false charges, and it could be catastrophic for the country, end quote. The former president, who tends to lean on hyperbole, one hopes since death and destruction would not follow unless it was orchestrated. The former president then appeared to refer to Bragg as a degenerate psychopath that truly hates the USA, end quote. This was one among several of Trump's posts attacking uh, Bragg, and even uh, Trump's lawyer uh, sought to distance himself from the statement, saying himself, I'm not his social media consultant. Now they're rewriting Agatha Christie. It is a feature of the woke to not only rewrite the historical record regarding injustice of uh, the past as justification for their calls for massive societal change today, but also to rewrite past beloved works of literature to ensure they, too, conform to the new woke morality. Not long ago, it was uh, uh, Roald Dahl. Uh, Now the woke language police have yet another popular author's work in their crosshairs, the world's most famous murder mystery novelist, Agatha Christie. Sensitivity readers have been combing through Christie's work in order to correct the writer's themes, language, or depictions of people and groups that today's woke police find problematic. Evidently, these Orwellians can't embrace the notion of freedom of choice. It is seemingly becoming a novel idea that one, that if one doesn't appreciate a certain writer's work, one can simply choose not to read them. Novel idea. An appeals court blocked a COVID vaccine mandate for federal workers. And for many electric vehicles, there's no way to repair or assess even slightly damaged battery packs after accidents forcing insurance companies to write off cars with few miles, leading to higher premiums and undercutting gains from going electric. Uh, And now those battery packs are piling up in scrapyards in some countries, a previously unreported and expensive gap in what was supposed to be a circular economy. A California judge stopped a Soros prosecutor from slashing a triple murderer's sentence, and a Florida principal resigned after parents complained that the Renaissance art lesson was pornographic. The COVID-19 pandemic amplified worries about obesity. Well, on this day in history, 1513, Spanish explorer Juan uh, Juan Ponce de Leon, he puts his uh, sights on present-day Florida. 1933, some many years hence, Japan officially withdraws from the League of Nations. 1942, during World War II, Congress grants American servicemen free first-class mailing privileges. 1958, Nikita Khrushchev becomes Soviet premier in addition to first secretary of the Communist Party. 1964, Alaska is hit by a magnitude 9.2 earthquake, the strongest on record in North America and tsunamis that together claim 130 lives. 1975, construction begins on the Trans-Alaska Pipeline, which would be completed two years later. 2006, Al-Qaeda conspirator Zacharias Musawi testifies as his, uh, rather at his federal trial that he was supposed to hijack a fifth airplane on September 11, 2001, and fly it into the White House. 2009, this rising Red River breaks a 112-year record and threatens to threatens the dikes fortifying Fargo, North Dakota. And finally, on this day in history, 2018, retired Supreme Court Justice John Paul Stevens, in an essay on the New York Times website, calls for the repeal of the Second Amendment to allow for significant gun control legislation, which, of course, is always an option to repeal uh, the uh, elements of the Constitution.
let's see, where do I want to go from here? I'm not going to get into that. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has hit pause on a proposed judicial reform to allow more time for negotiations and avoid civil war. His comments come after a dramatic day in which hundreds of thousands of Israeli protesters on both sides of the issue poured into city squares and a nationwide strike shut down flights as Israel's international airport. When there's an option to avoid civil war through dialogue, I take a time out for dialogue, Netanyahu said, according to the Times of Israel. He said the bill would be delayed out of national responsibility until the next Knesset session a month from now. For months, Israelis have been uh, uh, debating a bill that would give the elected government authority to appoint new judges and effectively reduce the power of the Israeli Supreme Court to strike down laws passed by the ruling majority. The lack of any written constitution makes the concept of judicial review much more complicated in Israel than in the United States for the right wing government. The law is a necessary corrective to a judiciary that is usurped power, never explicitly granted uh, to it, while protesters view the move as a power grab by Netanyahu and his ministers that would give them unchecked powers to fundamentally change Israel. The debate has triggered escalating protests throughout Israel, which exploded on Sunday night after Netanyahu announced that he had fired the defense minister. The minister had criticized the judicial reform uh, push, arguing that the rift was threatening the nation's security by undermining support for Israel's defense forces. We'll continue to follow that story. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Up next, a conversation with Dr. Greg Jantz, author of Triumph Over Trauma, Finding Healing and Wholeness from Past Pain. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Well, trauma is usually thought of as a dramatic event, such as sexual assault, domestic violence, combat, school shooting, or childhood abuse. But more commonly, according to my next guest, but no less devastating, trauma is caused by events like divorce, the death of a spouse, a miscarriage, or getting laid off from a job. Well, the COVID-19 pandemic brought two years of unexpected trauma to millions of people through prolonged sickness, sudden job loss, financial crisis, loss of loved ones, relapse into substance abuse, and, and more. The after effects, depression, anxiety, addiction, panic attacks, insomnia, and more can affect people for years and even a lifetime. The pandemic sparked a 25% increase in anxiety and depression worldwide, according to the World Health Organization. My next guest has written a book to help triumph over trauma, find healing and wholeness from past pain. Dr. Gregory Jantz is a popular speaker and award-winning author of many books, including Healing the Scars of Emotional Abuse, Healing the Scars of Childhood Abuse and Overcoming Anxiety, Worry, and Fear. He's the founder of The Center, A Place of Hope in Washington State, and he joins us today to talk about his latest book. Dr. Jans, thank you so much for joining us. Well, good to be with you today, and it is an interesting and tough topic, both. It really is. I was thinking about events that just unfolded today uh, in Nashville, Tennessee, it's a traumatic event, even from a distance, to watch what happened there, to consider what happened in Colorado with shootings in a school. There's so much going on around the world that we find ourselves in a swirl of events that can, I would imagine, um, cause us to feel a sense of anxiety and fear and all of those things that you write about. You know, that's the thing. It's anticipatory anxiety. It's out there. We're anticipating the next bad thing. And unfortunately, what we're seeing is the next bad thing. It's like 
no, 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 we, we can't do another school shooting. You think about this, you go, are you kidding? And so that's repeated traumatic events is really what we're talking about. And they come in different forms. Well, you perhaps have answered the question, but talk a bit about why this book is so relevant today. We mentioned an event that unfolded earlier today, but there have been over the last couple of years, a number of things that uh, have left many of us feel feeling traumatized. Yes. And unfortunately what's happened is, you know, from COVID pandemic, um, there was, just people end up doom scrolling. It's like always there was something bad going to happen. And we were traumatized. Our kids were traumatized. Uh, Year 2021, we had the highest academic failure on record. And you look at this, you go, wow, what is going on? Um, And our kids are suffering right now, ages 10 to 17. Suicide is the second leading cause of death. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And so when we look at these things, it is traumatic. And we look, some of us have lost a loved one. Uh, there is so much going on in the stress, the chronic stress in our families. And so really what we're talking about here is how do I manage trauma in my life and keep my thinking, you know, sound, keep my thinking clear because it's a lot. Yeah. And that's what we're talking about. Yeah. Now, you you may have touched on this, but I just want to give you an opportunity to speak specifically. What is trauma? We tend to think of it as a, a physical wound. But what you're describing is something beyond that. It certainly can include physical wounding, but there's more to it or there can. be. Yes. And there is emotional traumas. If you grew up uh, at home and maybe there was a lot of comparisons. Why can't you be more like your sister? Look at her. You know, and, and that was a repeated theme. Over time, that's traumatic because it begins to shape who you are and how you feel about yourself. Uh, if you were in any way a, a victim of abuse, physical abuse or sexual abuse, guess what? That's really, really traumatic and something that is ongoing, uh, and what that does to us and the developing brain. And so we're experiencing traumatic events, uh, and it overwhelms our system because there's no place to put this. It's, the trauma is so uh, shocking, it's so, if you will, wrong, that there's no place to put it. And now there could be trauma that came from a, uh, maybe it was a disaster or a, uh, somebody's sudden death, and we we don't know what to do with that. And we're particularly sensitive if you've already struggled with depression or you've su- suffered from anxiety growing up, and then you experience traumatic events. You know that's really what we call post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm-hmm. Can you um, talk a bit about uh, the three healing keys for trauma? things that we need to know as we're moving toward healing and restoration. Oh, absolutely. You think about what do I need to know in order to heal? Well, first of all, a key is I have to really deal with reality. I have to understand the effects this had on me. I have to also understand that it's, it's going to take some work and I, I need to have help. I, I don't heal in isolation. I don't heal alone. And one of the steps that we have to figure out is, how am I going to do forgiveness? 
how am I going to do forgiveness um, of myself or others or forgiveness of the situation? Too often when there's trauma, we carry around deep, deep wounds that turn into uh, resentment, turns into bitterness. And that's really what we've got to figure out. How do we, how do we deal with this? And if we don't, uh, we're more prone towards addiction and developing addictions. If I've got uh, a compulsive behavior, if I have unresolved bitterness, resentment, unresolved hurt in my life. What role does a person's faith play in the healing of, of trauma? Our tendency might be, you just kind of need to get over it. Uh, is there a role to be played that our faith can help us in this journey? Yes. And, and here's what I hear people say. They go, this was so hard, and I'm still walking through this. But my faith and understanding that God loves me and to be able to receive that love. I don't have answers for what happened to me, but to know that I am loved and my faith is what's carried me through for the long run. I hear people describe that. You write about um, 10 truths about trauma uh, that you discuss in the book. Can you share a couple of them? What are these truths about trauma that will help us to, first of all, better understand what we're experiencing so that we can prepare to move past? Well, one is that traumatic things can happen to any of us. We just And, and we all will have our turn with something. And, uh, you know, we've all experienced, at times, tragic things. And so uh, nobody's immune from, from trauma. And I would say that... Um, Trauma affects us in different ways. It's always real. Our experience of it is always real. As you think about uh, trauma and you go, well, that was no big deal. But, you know, for the person that might have grown up for a lot of emotion, with a lot of emotional abuse or they had a loved one who was uh, maybe they were shot and killed and they heard about a, a school shooting today, that's traumatic. So uh, we all... It's real for us, and we all experience it a little bit different. Um, I think, too, one of the other ones is people tend to uh, think, well, over time I'll just get better. You know, time will help it heal. Uh, and time is not enough to heal trauma. Well, that's so such that's an important, important point. Yeah, yeah, because I think we do assume the farther we're away from the event, uh, then the better off we will be. Yes, yes. Yep. So are there among these 10 truths that are uh, important to understanding trauma, is there one that stands out? Where where should one begin? You know, I think we need, want to always have somebody who's trusted. I want us to have somebody that is uh, trusted and... Um, that can walk us through. I want you to have a good uh, counselor that knows what they're doing with trauma. Um, I think too often we, we just say, I can handle this, and we try to do it all on our own. And it just doesn't work that way. Um, and and to be in the hands of a good counselor who really understands this, oh, I can tell you, it's just so much better to really be in the hands of an expert. Mm-hmm. 
Um, trauma isn't just something that we experience emotionally, but it also has an impact on the body. And that may be surprising. You may not link uh, the impact of trauma to a traumatic experience. But can you talk a bit about how it doesn't just uh, challenge us in our thinking and how we conduct ourselves, but it has a it can have a physical um, impact as well? Okay, trauma can affect, depending on the age, it certainly can affect brain development, depending upon um, the repeated traumas. So our brain is, you know, when we're young, it's developing, it's growing. If it's uh, traumatized uh, by even emotional trauma, it alters brain chemistry. We know that over time, trauma can affect uh, our immune system and our immune immunities. So that's important to know. And those um, are we, significant. Go, please go ahead. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're more prone to disease and sickness. We're also more prone to having sleep disorders and not, um, not having what we call restorative sleep. Well, those are just a couple of things. Yeah, yeah. We're going to continue our conversation, but I do need to take a quick break. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show, and we'll continue the conversation with Dr. Greg Jans. His book, Triumph Over Trauma, Find Healing and Wholeness from Past Pain. The book is published by Ravel and is currently available. We'll be back in a moment. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. I'm talking with Dr. Greg Jans. He is the author of Triumph Over Trauma, Find Healing and Wholeness from Past Pain. If you want to better understand the nature of trauma in an effort to identify, is this an experience I'm having and what impact is it likely to have on me physically and emotionally? This is a great resource to help better understand what that is all about. Now, what are some of the practical ways, Dr. Jans, that we can rewire our brains after trauma? You were talking a bit about that just before the break. Yes. When I think about rewiring our brains, that's literally what happens. There is a rewiring, and it is our body, as it recovers, uh, creates what we call new neural pathways, it creates a rebalance of body chemi- or brain chemistries, dopamine, dopamine, serotonin. Those are important chemicals. So uh, there's things that we can do to help our brain, and our brain is amazingly resilient. Mm-hmm. And so we know that even certain nutrients will help our brain. Um, and so a big part of caring for trauma, it's not the only part, but a big part is Recaring for our brain. Our brain has been, uh, it's like the circuits have been blown in our brain with trauma. So how do you do that? I mean, I'm sure there's more than one thing you do to accomplish that, but yeah. how do you go about it? Well, one of the things is the power of, as you work through dealing with the reality, as the power of, of forgiveness over an event as that begins, uh, as we begin to allow the brain to have restorative sleep and rest. Um, Even people with trauma forget to drink water. And so nourishing the brain with water, it sounds so simple, but it's so powerful. Uh, We always want to look and see, do we have inadequate vitamin D? As our brain, uh, there's uh, uh, what we call the fish oils, the omega-3s, is so important for brain health. 
We also want to look at how is our thyroid, how is our hormonal uh, balance in our life. or uh, And so those are all key components to helping the body restore. And again, we're talking about the book where you'll find this information, Triumph Over Trauma, Find Healing and Wholeness from Past Pain. In one chapter, you uh, it's called uh, Revise Your Script. Explain how you can do that after trauma. Okay. Well, really what we're talking about is um, we're talking about how you've seen yourself, how you perceived your future because of trauma. Uh, sometimes we we develop shame and we feel like, wow, I don't deserve uh, anything good. And you kind of end up living that way. and Or you sometimes with trauma, you can end up blaming yourself and blaming yourself uh, is such that um, you you get stuck and you get stuck in uh, repetitive relationships um, or harmful relationships, I should say. So as we rewrite the script, it's like we have to learn how to re-envision a different future. We have to learn how, how am I going to uh, think differently about myself? Um, how am I going to really come to the place that, you know, my past does not have to define my future. That's a real important key. You write about uh, hope. It's a common thread throughout your, throughout your book. How important is uh, hope to healing? You know, when I think about the word hope, hope tends to come for us when we have a plan. And the plan is, um, the plan is, how am I going to rebuild my life? How am I going to get the help I really need? How am I going to care and do the nutrition for my life? It is such that hope comes when I have somebody helping me with a plan. It's vital. Uh, otherwise, I can feel helpless and hopeless. Mm-hmm. Is it always important to have someone else with whom you're sharing that plan as you're moving in a more hopeful direction? Yes. We, need, we can't do this alone. We need help. Uh, we need help to do this. And when we isolate... Uh, we will tend to really default on our thinking. What is post-traumatic growth? We hear a lot about post-traumatic stress, but what is post-traumatic growth? And can uh, is it something that one should expect if you're following what you've written about in uh, in your book, Triumph Over Trauma? It is the belief and it's knowing that post-injury, Post-trauma, I can grow. Post-trauma, not only do I grow, um, but I have a plan for my physical growth, my spiritual growth. I have a plan for my emotional growth. I am setting myself on a course of growth. And that's what we do uh, when we are working through this. We start to see hope for our futures. And also, when traumatic events happen in the future, we're able to manage those and manage the emotions of those without it uh, really sinking us. What I mean is it's still very difficult. It's very difficult to hear about something traumatic. But you're able to keep uh, really yourself in the right frame of mind 
even though I'm dealing with some difficult emotions. I know that um, for for your readers, um, you have a, a, a an idea that they're going to walk away with certain capacities that they didn't have before. What do you hope your readers will take away from uh, reading and applying the principles in this book? And I should mention it's intended to be very practical, that at the end of every chapter you have practical questions and tools to help the reader move forward. What is your goal in writing and what do you hope your readers will walk away with? Yes, my hopes are really uh, that you will know that there is a different future for you, that there is a a plan that God has that is good, um, that you can walk alongside very traumatic events with, with the right people, and you can, in many ways, it's hard to imagine, but you can be strengthened, and you will turn around, and you will be a help and a resource to others. Where can our listeners find a copy of Triumph Over Trauma? Well, I would imagine at your favorite online retailer, whatever it may be, and uh, christianbook.com. It should be available everywhere. All right. Again, the title of the book, Triumph Over Trauma, Finding Healing and Wholeness from Past Pain. And we've had plenty of that. Uh, The healing process, however, we need some help. So I appreciate your uh, coming to talk with us about it and for making the book available to walk us through that process. Yeah, absolutely. And there really, truly is hope. Thank you so much. Again, Dr. Greg uh, Jantz is the author of Triumph Over Trauma, Find Healing and Wholeness from Past Pain. He's also the uh, founder of The Center, A Place of Hope in Washington State. You can learn more at drgregoryjantz.com. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We'll be back in a moment to wrap things up. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to the final segment of The Georgine Rice Show. Well, patriotism, religious faith, having children and other priorities that help define the national character for generations are receding in importance here in the United States. That's according to a new Wall Street Journal, NORC poll. Well, the survey conducted by NORC at the University of Chicago, a nonprofit research organization, also finds the country sharply divided by political party over social trends such as um, the push for racial diversity in businesses and the use of gender neutral pronouns. Now, some 38 percent of the respondents to this survey said patriotism was very important to them, while 39 percent said religion was very important. Well, that was down sharply from when the journal first asked the question back in 1998. At that time, 70 percent said patriotism was very important and 62 percent said the same about religion. Well, the share of Americans who say that having children, involvement in their community and hard work are very important values has also fallen. Tolerance for others deemed very important by 80 percent of Americans as recently as four years ago has fallen to 58 percent since then. Bill McInturf, a pollster who worked on a previous journal uh, journal survey that measured these attitudes along with NBC News, said that these differences are so dramatic it paints a new and surprising portrait of a changing America. He surmised that perhaps the toll of our political division, COVID and the lowest economic confidence in decades is having a startling effect on our core values. Now, this probably doesn't come as a surprise to most of you, but it is a confirmation. 
A number of events have shaken and in some ways fractured the nation since the journal first asked about unifying values among them September 11th, 2001, terrorist attacks, the financial crisis of 2008, and subsequent economic downturns and the rise of former President Donald Trump. The only priority the journal tested that has grown in importance in the past quarter century is money, which was cited as very important by 43 percent of news survey in the news survey, up from 31 percent in 1998. Well, aside from money, all age groups, including seniors, attached far less importance to these priorities and values than when pollsters asked about them in 1998 and again in 2019. But younger Americans are particular um, uh, place low importance on these values, many of which were central to the lives of their parents and certainly to their grandparents. Some 23 percent of adults under age 30 said in the new survey that patriotism was very important to them personally, compared to 59 percent of seniors ages 65 and older. Some 31 percent of younger respondents said that religion was very important to them compared to 55 percent among seniors. Only 23% of adults under age 30 said that having children was very important. To Kevin Williams, a commercial and residential painter here in uh, Oregon, Bend, many of these values um, are linked. Mr. Williams, he's 33 years old, said that he thought that patriotism is declining as a civic value um, in tandem with rising individualism, a sense of entitlement among many people, and a decline in community involvement, possibly because of people focusing on their own racial or cultural backgrounds rather than what Americans have in common. I think patriotism encompasses both part of your community and helping other Americans, Williams uh, said. He coaches youth sports and volunteers with a group that provides security at protests and rallies. Mr. Williams said that as a middle school student at the time of September 11, 2001, the attack, he knew then that He would join the military. I just felt that I wanted to do my part to protect my country, Williams said. He supported former President Trump's two White House campaigns, and he eventually served four years in the Marines. To Janet Boyer, a former Pentecostal minister who lives in Cumberland Township in southwestern Pennsylvania, coal country, patriotism has taken on a political sheen and is no longer important to her. For me, patriotism has turned into right-wing nationalism, she says. She backed President Biden in 2020. Political divisiveness also weighs on her. Back in the day, Republicans and Democrats had a sense of deference to one another. Boyer's 52. She's a self-help author and a jewelry designer. It didn't act like they were in a schoolyard trying to be vengeful and reactive. Well, asked what values unite the nation, Elena Reiser, who's 43 in Brookhaven, New York, pointed to economic opportunity. No matter your starting point, you can always become successful, she said. Some 21% in the survey said that America stands above all other countries in the world, a view that some call American exceptionalism. Half said that America is one of the greatest countries along with some others. The share who said other countries are better than the United States rose to 27%, and that's up from 19% when the same question was asked way back in 2016. Well, Ms. Reiser said that as a university math teacher, she knows that other countries rank higher on tests of math performance. She said longer vacations and maternal leaves in some European countries mean that they are better quality of life. In America, you basically have to work for your whole life and you don't get breaks. 
Jennifer Benz, who's a vice president of public affairs and media research at NORC, said that views in this survey might have been colored by the downbeat economic outlook that the poll also found. People are just sort of down on everything about the about the country. The survey found sharp differences by political party on social issues that have gained prominence. And again, not too surprising. It asked whether social, that rather society, had gone far enough or had gone too far when it comes to businesses taking steps to promote racial and ethnic diversity. Just over half of Republicans said society has gone too far compared to 7% of Democrats. Some 61% of Democrats said diversity efforts hadn't gone far enough compared to 14% of Republicans. Another example of the Great Divide. Three quarters of Republicans said society had gone too far in accepting people who are transgender, while 56 percent of Democrats said society hadn't gone far enough. Overall, 63 percent of people in the survey said that companies shouldn't take public stands on social and political issues, while 36 percent of people said companies should take such stands. Among Republicans, 80 percent opposed companies doing so, while 56 percent of Democrats favored the idea. The president's ESG and Investing. Half of people in the survey said they didn't like the uh, practice of being asked to use gender neutral pronouns, half, such as they or them, when addressing another person, compared with 18% who viewed it favorably. Some 30% of respondents under age 35 viewed the practice favorably, compared to 9% of seniors. It's a lot to take on. The journal NORC survey polled 1,019 people. It's a relatively small survey from the first to the 13th of this month, mostly online. The margin of error about plus or minus 4.1%. Differences in how the polls and prior surveys were conducted might account for a small portion of the reported decline in importance of the American values tested. Prior surveys conducted for the Journal and NBC News used live interviews to reach people by phone. It would be interesting to see if that would change those numbers in any uh, noticeable way. Well, we are out of time. I do want to thank James Blend for engineering today's program and thank you for making the Georgine Rice Show part of your day. Have a great night and I hope you'll join us tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. If you'd like to download a podcast of the show or would like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com or on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at G Rice Show and like us on Facebook. And join us live every weekday at 4 for more critical thinking for critical times on 93.9 KPDQ. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.